Well, uh, well, blessed people, I uh, welcome you to your lifetime break today. It serves us with such a tremendous opportunity again uh, to come to you at your workplace, <clears throat> different workplaces. I know some of you probably just walking out of your workplaces, uh, walking to meet a friend to be at the garden or to visit another person and office, listen together. But uh, this is yet another opportunity that the Lord has provided uh, for us to be able to continue at this very important hour in the history of the church. Now, we have been talking about the judgment of the Lord, the final judgment of God Almighty that is ahead of us here that will take place. And we've been saying that it's very important that every single person, every Christian, lives on this earth with the understanding there is such a day coming. That there is a day coming, a day of accountability, when uh, there will be judgment. Each person will be able to stand before the Lord. The Bible speaks very clearly about that judgment, that everyone will be able to give account on how they live the life that the Lord Jesus gave them on this earth. And our reference scripture has been the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11, verse 15. Again, he said, I know my voice is a bit rusty. We just came from the evening service yesterday, very powerful. But uh, he says, again, Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, he says, <clears throat> Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. He talked about great, a throne that is great, meaning great in his infinite sovereignty. Talking about the infinite authority of that throne, and he that sits on that throne. Talking about the infinite power. He has so much power to determine the destiny of people. And he says, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no room for them. There's no place for them, meaning the earth as we know it today will be totally destroyed. It will not exist again. And I know most of you in the marketplace now, lawyers, doctors, secretaries, investors, shopkeepers, business people, engineers, architects, professors, everybody, farmers, the first thing that has occupied and consumed this generation is providence. We can turn this generation with a generation of providence where they're preoccupied with earning, earning a living. They start from when they're young, they're pushed to school, kindergarten, high school, primary school, high school, university, all the time trying to hewn a profession, trying to coin a profession that they may be able to uh, defend. So it's a generation of providence where providence comes first. People go to evening classes. Even after work, they go to university for evening lessons. They learn there to increase their capabilities to be able to survive in the marketplace, to earn a living. But he's saying here that you know that you're invested on this earth. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them meaning the earth and the heavens 
were totally destroyed and disappeared. Are you aware, blessed people, even as you are at your workplace today, are you aware that the earth as it is will disappear? And uh, yesterday in our midweek service, I shared, I shared on this tremendous vision of the New Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of New Jerusalem, the future city, the eternal city of God, the home of the righteous. And I said in that vision that the Lord lifted me up, and when he lifted me up, he took me into heaven, but not the present heaven, the heaven to come, because it says here, a new heaven will be formed. If you read verse chapter 21 of Revelation, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So that is where the Lord took me in this tremendous vision that I may come back and speak with you people. Come back and rivet your memories, rivet your minds, rendition all your thoughts, thought processes, your lives, back to the original reason as to why you were created, that you may go into the eternity, the eternal state of God that is prepared for you, the new heaven and the new earth. So in that vision, I said, the Lord lifted me up and took me into heaven, and he, inside heaven he lifted me up again, so I could see from above the city of the new Jerusalem. And I also shared on how he, he drifted the city. He made the city pass like this on my left, so it was more like a fly past, as if you're in an, in an aircraft, but from your left window, you are looking at a city as you're flying by. And I described the finest details of the city, the building, the architecture, I gave very fine details yesterday in our midweek service. And the purpose is one, to draw your interest into the kingdom of God, that you may know that this earth is temporary. This earth as constituted will not last forever. And so the reason the Lord is speaking to you about the final judgment of God that is coming is because that judgment sits at the threshold of the eternity of God. So based on how you live your life on the earth here, you will have determined unto yourself whether you are going into the eternal kingdom of God, the eternal state, or you are going to remain and be thrown into the lake of fire. Based on how you live your life on the earth here, you are already making a determination unto yourself whether you are going to live eternally with God or you're going to be separated eternally from God and thrown into the lake of fire. And that's why in this little scripture it says, verse 12 of Revelation 20, Revelation 20, 12, it says, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Are you aware that there are books in which God is writing everything you are doing, even your thought processes? And the books were opened, then it says another book was opened, which is the book of life. Are you aware that only those whose names are written in the book of life will enter the kingdom of God? As you work in that office, maybe you are a nurse in that clinic, you are a doctor, you are a surgeon, you are a lawyer, engineer, architect, architect, you are in a meeting, you are a banker, maybe you are an executive, or you are a farmer, Mama Kiosk, Mama Mboga, Mama Samaki. A lady that roast fish and people come to pick as they leave from work. Or maybe you are selling the dairy at the construction site and you're tuned in. 
or you are selling salt and biscuits at the bus station. You're waiting for the buses as they come. You're presenting your small basket with biscuits at the window, at the window. People are picking. But are you aware in all that you do that there is a book of life, that this life on the earth is so temporary, that there is a book of life in which your name must be found written for you to enter the eternal kingdom of God? And so it says, the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and hate gave up the dead that were in them. And this person was judged according to what they had done. Are you aware that everything you do today will be judged, literally everything, every second, every minute, including the thoughts, the thoughts of your mind? They say, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Are you aware that this will be a tremendous day of separation? When families will be separated, one being thrown into hell, another one going to heaven. Or are you just living your life on this earth blindly? That would be a tragedy. That would be a tremendous travesty for the purpose for which God created mankind. And so this is the overriding scripture, the overriding theme, message that the Lord has been delivering to the church for some time now, come to two months. And today I want to talk to you about the importance of paying attention to this day that is coming the final day of judgment, that everyone must stand before the Lord on that day and that every single person will have to give account on how they live their life on the earth. And that's why, at this time, I want to bring to you the gravity of living your life on the earth with that day in focus. Because he's saying there's an eternal state that is coming. There are blessed people who are alive today, chosen by God, who will enter the eternal kingdom of God after that judgment is over. It's called the eternal state. And there is a new city, the new Jerusalem that is coming. Are you aware that that day of judgment is the one that sits at the junction, at the gate, at the threshold to the eternal state? If you want to enter the eternity of God, then you must make sure that your focus is well trained on this day of judgment that's coming. That's how you are able to navigate and decide to live a life in such a way that on that day, when the judgment comes, you will be found within the sight of God, the eternity of God. And if you read the book of Galatians chapter 4, there is a new Jerusalem. It says the following, the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, blessed people. He says the following, verse 26. He says, But the Jerusalem that is above is free, meaning free from sin. And she's our mother. The Bible talks very clearly about that city of Jerusalem that is coming, where we will see God face to face. Are you aware of this? And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, Hebrews 11 verse 10, it still talks about that new Jerusalem where your focus ought to be, blessed people. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, it says, Hebrews 11 10, 
It says, day after day, and again, turn with me there, Hebrews 11, 10, blessed people, that we read together. It says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He's now talking about the faith of Abraham. Abraham was an atheist, was an idol worshiper. And when the Lord called him to separate out because of the redemptive plan of bringing the Messiah, then finally the Lord brought him to the land of Moriah, to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land. He could have said, look, I have arrived. But he did not count himself as having arrived. He says here, verse 9, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Are you living your life on this earth like a stranger? There is no person who could have felt more accomplished than Abraham because he was removed from where there was distress in land, his familiarity with his people, his family. And God gave him a huge new tract of land. He could have said he had arrived. Because God was speaking with him. But he realized that there is a new Jerusalem. There is a new city. There is a city above that is greater than what you see here. Are you aware that there is a greater city than Nairobi? Than New York? Than Shanghai, Beijing, Abuja, Jobak, Alexandria? Than Helsinki? than Stockholm, London, Paris, Berlin. Are you aware that there's a greater city? Because he says, because of that, he lived his life as a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents. Why? Because he was looking forward to the new Jerusalem. Are you living your life on this earth, blessed people, anticipating the new Jerusalem, the new city that is coming? If you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, still talk about that eternal state. Hebrews 12, verse 22 and 23, the two verses. He says, 22, but you have come to, the, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Is your name written in heaven? Maybe you've just walked out of your workplace. Maybe you had a very busy day as a lawyer in court and you've just tuned in real quick and now you're trying to catch up with this lunchtime bread. But are you aware that life on this earth is temporary? It's going to come to an end. Either the Messiah will come and take the church during your life, or you will die before then. The Bible says unto men is assigned to die once. Have you lived your life wisely? Have been aware that this is temporary, planning for eternity. Where will you spend your eternity? Where do you intend to spend your eternity, blessed people? He says to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all, to the spirits 
of the righteous made perfect. Are you aware that there is the eternal city of Jerusalem that I'm reading about for you today? But in whatever your endeavors be, that you be one to the fact that there is an eternal city, the eternal city that we should be looking forward to, the purpose for which we were created. And he says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, he says, For here, again, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking forward to the city that is to come. Are you living your life looking forward to eternity with God? Remember that on that day of the final judgment, before people enter the eternal state, you'll see your friends, you see the blessed ones that were wise when they lived this life, that took consideration of the final day of judgment and lived a holy life, a repentant life. You'll see them being taken by God into the eternal state, given glorious eternal bodies, taken to a place where there'll be no weeping, There'll be no pain. There'll be no distress. There'll be no sorrow. Are you aware that there is a life coming up that will not have pain, will not have sorrow, will not have disease? And it describes a beautiful city. In the book of Revelation, the new state, the eternal state that is coming, when death will not be there, sin will not be there, no sorrow, no pain. It describes it in Revelation 21. From verse 1 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. What a tremendous promise God has given you that are tuned in. What a tremendous promise to be taken seriously by those who are wise, those who are prudent, those who understand that life on this earth is temporary. And he says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and you dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Are you aware that there are some people that will be separated from God eternally, while others, he talks beautifully about them like this, that they will be in his presence eternally? Are you prepared to be in the presence of your God eternally? Or you are squandering your life in this time, just living carelessly? This morning in that office, did you give any due consideration that God is watching? There is a day of judgment coming. You cannot even say you are born again. But oh, I'm born again, the Lord will understand. This morning when you leave, when you walk in that office today, how did you execute your life today? Did you execute your life with due consideration that there is eternity coming? And God is writing down everything every man does. And the day of judgment is coming, the day of accountability. Today we live in a generation where people don't want to be held accountable. You try to hold them accountable, they fight for personal rights. You hold them accountable, they say fight for human rights, fight for feminine rights. But are you aware that God has no consideration of those rights? Because he is sovereign, he is eternal, he is the creator. 
And he says very clearly that after all this you see on this life, in this life, there is the rapture of the church where those who have lived prudently will be taken up into the glorious kingdom of God. And I described the tremendous taking of the church across many nations. As the Lord has spoken with me in visions, I've shared with you globally in our global broadcasts here. And across many nations I've traveled to, from New Zealand to Australia, all many cities of Australia, from Brisbane to Canberra to Sydney, all the way to the ends of New Zealand, to Gisborne, New Zealand, the ends of the earth where the sun first shines, brought in South Korea, all over Europe, several countries, many times, like Finland, I think six times, I don't know, Sweden, five or six times, to Britain, to many nations crying with you that you may be able to understand that the kingdom of God is near. The reason the Lord has sent me to you, all over the earth, Latin America, are you aware that there is a day coming when the Lord will divide people mother from daughter. One will enter eternity, the other will enter the eternal fire, the lake of fire. But you cannot say because you are born again, you get away with it. Are you really born again in that office today? In that working place? Mama Mboga, Mama Kiosk? In that shop, in that supermarket where you are working? Or restaurant? Or tailoring shop? Whichever your daytime job is, because it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the eternal kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Are you aware that not everyone that says they are Christian are actually Christians? Are you aware that not all those that say they are born again are actually born again? That is what he's saying here. He says, except that you do the will of God the Father. But what is the will of the Father? We see clearly in the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 28-29. The will of the Father is centered on Christ. Have you really believed Christ? Does your life in that office this morning or this afternoon reflect somebody who is doing the will of God the Father, who is aware of Christ, who is born again. John 6 is saying here, 28, 29, it says, Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? In other words, what must we do to do the will of the Father? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you aware that there are many Christians today, many people who say they are born again, they are Christian, and yet when you look at their lifestyle, it is to the contrary. It doesn't reflect salvation. And so he's saying that, again, verse 22 of Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Verse 23, Matthew 7. Then I will tell them plainly, I tell you the truth, I never knew you. Meaning he is not even aware of those miracles. 
meaning they were done outside his realm, outside his authority, without him. They are not his miracles. They are the fake miracles you see in the church right now. And he's saying here, away from me, you evildoers. Now, how does the Lord say he does not know you? How does the Lord say he does not know you when you are in the church? So does the Lord really know you? In getting our understanding, we know very well that the Lord knows everything. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 15, he knows everything. But on that day, he will tell some people that he does not know them. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 15, verse 18. Acts chapter 15, 18, blessed people. In this wonderful, glorious day here, shiny and sunny, there is no winter here. Very beautiful day, very sunny, that God has accorded us. And we have a big global fast, dry fast. The only total dry fast of the Lord is going on began yesterday. It's always good to fast because it kills the flesh. It trains you to focus on the matter spiritual. Disconnect you from food for some time. The book of Acts chapter 15, verse 18, this is what he says. He says, Things known from long ago. He says, the Lord knows so much. The Lord knows everything, including things known from long ago. The Lord knows so much. How can the Lord who knows everybody created turn around and now on that day tell you to tell you the truth? I do not know you. How? Does the Lord know you in that law firm? You say you are a Christian, you are a Christian. But does the Lord know you? Is the Lord able on that day? How are you going to perform on that day? Is the Lord going to be able to stand up and say, I know you? Because he says, there are those who will tell, to tell you the truth. I never knew you. You are all creator. If Satan rejects you, oh, that's a very powerful situation. But the Lord, your God, rejects you. Where do you run to? The book of Psalm 147, verse 5, it says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. His knowledge has no limit. He knows everything. But how come he says here that on that day he will say, he will say to you, to tell you the truth, I never knew you. Are you aware that the way you live your life on this earth today and now will determine as whether the Lord will acknowledge you or not? He says, those that will acknowledge me in the eyes of man, on that day I will also acknowledge them before my God, my Father, and his angels. Have you? Stepped out in that office as a lady. I know you fear your boss. Maybe your boss was lasting at you sexually, and you fear to present to him an attitude that, don't bring jokes, I'm born again. Your fear that you might lose your job. Have you ever stepped forward and made it very clear in that office that you are born again? You cannot entertain sexual lust, sexual immorality. Have you made people know your bounds, your boundaries in that office? Because he says, the Lord that knoweth all things, on that day will say he does not know you. 
what a tragedy that day. What a tragic day that will become. And he says in the book of Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, he says, You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Meaning before even it comes to your mouth to say, before you contemplate saying that word, the Lord already knows you. Before you came to that office and started getting involved in sexual lust, the Lord already knew the contemplations of your heart. That's what he's talking about here. The Lord not, that knows this much about us. How can he turn around that day when you're a Christian then tell you to tell you the truth? I never knew you. What is it that goes wrong? What went wrong in the process of fending for life? And he says, before word is on my tongue, you, O oh Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So the Lord has complete knowledge, complete understanding of people. Then how come he says the day will come when you say to tell you the truth, I do not know you. If you look at the book of Job, the book of Job right there, blessed people. If you look at the book of Job, Job chapter 11, again, still talk about the all-knowing God that will reject you if you don't adhere to some instruction I'm going to give you today. Job chapter 11, verse 11 says, Surely he recognizes deceivers. And when he sees evil, does he not take note? Meaning the Lord watches everything you do, blessed people. And when he sees evil, do you mean he does not note it down? We are living in the eyes of the Lord. Today when you are in that office, or when you are selling in that butchery, when you are tampering with the scale, when somebody forgot their change, and you, for, you fail to tell them, please take your change. Did you realize that the Lord takes note when he sees evil? Does he not take note? Have you been righteous in that office this morning? And yet, the same God that says you reject people that have compromised, he says he knows those who are his own. But if you look at Matthew, why does he talk about those who reject? Matthew 23, the book of Matthew, Matthew 23, town will be there, blessed people, Matthew chapter 23, and I'm reading verses 27, 28, it says the following, what to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything 
decomposing and unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as people to people as being righteous. But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Are you aware that that is what characterizes the present-day Christian? That today when the Christian believers are in the marketplace, they're in the marketplace, at the workplace, they present as though they are born again. When they're in the church, they present as though they are born again, but follow them at work and see what they are dressed in, what they are doing. It is Christians that are caught up in corruption. It is Christians that are caught up in murder. It is Christians that are caught up in malpractice, abuses. And he's saying here very clearly that today's church, they acknowledge with their lips, they say they are born again. But if you look at their deeds, their practice is contrary to the righteousness that was set to define Christianity by the Lord. And yet when you look at the book of Second Peter, before he defines you who are his. Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 3, this is what he says. Second Peter 3 verse 9, turn with me there. He talks about the patience of God. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. He says the following. He says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slackness or slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So many of you, because maybe you have sinned in the office today, or you sinned in church the other day, or you fell into sin, sexual sin, lying, whichever the sin, because nothing happened to you, you probably thought that the Lord does not judge. And yet the Lord is saying here very clearly that the reason he executes the forbearance of God, the long-suffering of God, the patience of God, is for the purposes of awakening you to bring you to repentance. The Lord not wanting you to perish in hell. Isn't that a wonderful God who is so considerate of you? He does not want you to go to hell. And that's why. Even as you sinned, he did not strike you with lightning. He did not strike you at all uh, with, 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 with cancer. And that did not mean that God does not judge, will not judge. God will judge sin. This generation in the church, you have been taught and you've lived as though God never judges sin and will not judge. But he's saying that, make no mistake, when it looks like he's slow to act, slow to fulfill the coming of the Messiah, slow to fulfill the day of judgment, that should not now portray to you as though the Lord does not, will not judge sin. The Lord will judge sin, he says. And yet in the book of Isaiah chapter 30, in Isaiah chapter 30, he says the following. He says, in Isaiah chapter 30, if you turn to be there, Chapter 30, verse 18. He says the following about defining his people. His own. 
Because it's such a terrible day ahead of us here. Unless you be born again, unless a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. But what does it mean to be born again? That is what I wind up with today. Isaiah chapter 30, 18, it says, Yet the Lord, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So he says, the Lord has his sovereignty. There is the transcendence of God. There is the supremacy of God. The holiness of God that is separated from the sinful man. But he says that out of that transcendence of God, one of his other attributes is the compassionate nature of God. He's a God of compassion. A God of love. A gracious God. And so the graciousness of God overlaps his transcendence and betrays him to the extent that now he finds himself coming to reach out to fallen man. Yet he is by nature separated from the moral decay of man. And he's saying, take advantage of that. So blessed are all ways for him. If you look at the book of Luke chapter 15, Sam, talk about the long suffering of God. God reaching out to you. God not wanting you to go down the drain of hell. Luke chapter 15. If you endeavor to read 32, it says, Luke chapter 15, blessed people, is talking about the lost son. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. But before that, verse 17, when he came to his senses, talk about the son who went out and squandered his life in drugs and women and alcohol and sold his things, drank in the bars, discotheques. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to eat and spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will step out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Look at the most important moment of the life of a human being. The moment of realization. The moment of surrender, of knowing that you by yourself you cannot manage. The moment when you now decide you want to go back to the Lord. Look at the most important hour in the life of man. When you awake from the slumber, you realize, no, no, I'm living is not right. I need to repent. I'm hoping that this be your day today, tuned in in those offices. And today, after this service, we want to hear only from those who are at workplaces, Mama Kiosk, Mama Boga, Mama Samaki, in the supermarket, in the shop, butchery, in the offices, law firm, office, medical, whatever, nurses, all those mechanics, taxi drivers. This is your program targeting you. Are you aware that God is so compassionate he has provided an avenue for us to return to him in repentance? He says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion look at that, for him and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed his neck. 
So the Lord says very clearly in the book of Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, that on that day of judgment, you will say to some, some people, some of you, he will say to you, to some of you, that to tell you the truth, I never knew you. The God that knows it all, knows everything, created you, knows every person. He will deny some, he will say, I do not know you. But I was in the church. He said, no, to tell you the truth, I do not know you. Then he said that to others, he will tell them to walk into the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of God prepared for them. The eternal states that I've described to you. That's why in Matthew 25, if you turn with me to verses 41 and also 46. 41, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cast into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And when you look at now, verse 46, it says, then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So which of these two are you? Have you ever bothered to ask yourself, which of these two are you? He says, one group you tell them, depart from me. The Lord that created you telling you, depart from me. You workers of evil, workers of iniquity. You evil ones. And to another group, you say, welcome to the eternal kingdom of heaven prepared for you from the creation of the world. Which one are you? Do you belong to Jesus? Does the Lord know you as you are in that workplace? Are you doing things that will make the Lord on that day be not ashamed of you, but to stand up and say, look, I know you. Welcome to the eternal kingdom of heaven, prepared by God the Father for you, the righteous ones. Are you righteous in that office? And that's why Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, says the following. It says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, filled with the inscription that says, The Lord knows those who are His. Look at that. The Lord knows those who are His. Does the Lord know you? Are you His? Do you belong to the Lord? Have you ever asked yourself in that office today, at that workplace, the way I'm living my life at this workplace, does it portray somebody whom the Lord knows as His own? It says, the inscription says, seal, the seal says, the Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Have you been a worker of wickedness or have you turned away from wickedness in that office? And then it says that those who are purged, been purged from wickedness, they are now useful to the Lord. Is the Lord, have He sealed you with this inscription here? It says, he has the solid foundation stands firm and he sealed them with the inscription that says, The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Have you turned away from wickedness? Blessed people, are you aware that the life on this earth is temporary? 
When you go to funerals and you see somebody being lowered seven feet under, is that supposed to be the moment of awakening for you to let you understand that, wow, life on this earth is so temporary? Is that supposed to be the moment to awaken you and tell you just a moment? This guy has now gone, he's being lowered into his grave. Was he prepared by the time he died? How about me? Should I prepare that in case I die, then when I die, I will find myself into the glorious eternal kingdom of God? Would it be very wise for you to give due consideration to your eternity, blessed people. And to finish, I'm finishing now with the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 3, whereby it says, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth, meaning clouds are very faithful. That's how God created nature. It says, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. He's talking about death-failing people. He's saying that death is invincible. Death is a mask. In the book of Hebrews 9.27, he says, unto man is assigned to live once and to die, and after death to face judgment. So he's talking about the fact that at the point when you die, if you die holy, you will always fall towards the side of heaven. If you die sinful and wicked, you will always fall towards the side of hell. And you can never change that after you die. The time to change is now. Are you aware you are busy working that this is the setting God has established for his creation? That on the day when you die, depending on how you live your life on this earth, determines your destiny, your eternity, whether you are going to heaven to enjoy celebration, felicitation, peace, to be in the presence of God, seeing him face to face, worshiping 24-7, serving our God together at the throne of God, in the presence of God eternally. But are you aware that if you live your life a sinful way, in wickedness, you'll go to eternal punishment, eternal judgment, eternal condemnation. I want to finish this lunchtime bread today here and ask those who want to receive the Lord to repeat after me. Say, mighty Lord Jesus, I realized that life on this earth is very short and that you are taking note of everything I do while in this life on this earth. What I think and what I do. And I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to come into my heart today I receive you as my Lord and Savior, my Lord Jesus. And I repent of all my sins and ask you to forgive me of all my sins, sins of commission and sins of omission. I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and establish me in the salvation of righteousness. Lord, I ask you to command my steps that I may live with eternity in focus, that I may live in wisdom with eternity in focus, that I may live prudently with eternity in focus. 
live a holy Christian life. Today I have received you, my Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. Thank you, blessed people. That has been your lifetime bread. I know we have 30 minutes to go. So then you can now call. We want to hear new people that are tuning for the first time. Write a text. The phone numbers will be read slowly, but you may get it and send us text. Call the radio lines. We give you priority because we want to reach out to more people that more people may have hope beyond the tombs of this earth. May the Lord bless you. This has been your lifetime bread today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.